0: I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. This is The Clear Money Mindset, saving snippets, financial facts for a fast-paced life. Many struggle to find the time to sit down and plan for their financial future, and this lack of time usually results in a lack of action, and we want to help you with that. This new edition of the podcast is intended to give you quick facts on important savings and investment topics. So whether you're in the car or on the run, these quick episodes will give you what you need to know to start taking action towards your financial future. So welcome to Saving Snippets. We have uh, Victoria and Andrea here with us.
1: Why hello, Ben. Hey.
0: It's It's been since our Christmas edition of the episode that we've been able to uh, get together and chat about money, life, stuff. Still
1: recovering from it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't have time to talk about that because this is the quick edition of the podcast. Today we are going to be talking about what?
2: RESP. R-E-S-P. E-C-T.
0: <laughs> so what is an R-E-S-P? Well it stands for Registered Education Savings Plan. As you probably guessed it is a Registered Government Savings Plan to help you save for your children's education.
1: There are two types of RESPs, individual and family. Ben, what are the difference between those?
0: The biggest difference is pretty much in the name. Individual means you're opening an RESP for one person. Family RESP is you're opening an RESP for the whole family. You can add additional children to it. Uh, Some of the reasons you might want to have an individual RESP would be uh, things like maybe a grandparent buying or opening up an RESP for a a grandchild. Could be marriage breakdown. You want to support a certain child or maybe you have one child or you're coming into a marriage that has multiple children and you're wanting to keep that separate. Adoption is another reason why we see that a lot where... um, a lot of times children's aid sets money aside for kids and when they are adopted um, they put money into an RESP for them but it has to be an individual RESP the family RESP makes it easy to transfer money between the kids if say one doesn't go to college or university so those are the two different types of plants
2: so a lot of people want to know if it's just limited to like parents, you did mention grandparents, like who can open up an RESP?
0: The answer is kind of anyone. Uh, you'd, you would want to probably know the person you're saving for, for their education. So a lot of times what happens is primarily parents will open them. And then sometimes, you know, uh, whether it's grandparents giving money on Christmas and they add to the plan, different things like that. Um, so primarily parents, but it's not limited to them. Um, grandparents as well, friends, uh, aunts, uncles, any relatives, if, if you want to open up an RESP for a child, you can. And it's not like um, a plan like the Registered Disability Savings Plan where you're only allowed one. You could have multiple RESPs um, in that child's name owned by different people.
2: And how much money would you need to get started with an RESP?
0: Well, that depends on the institution, but if you're saving monthly 25 bucks a month is the minimum and $500 in a $500 in a one-time contribution gets the RESP opened up
1: Do I get a tax deduction for putting money into this plan?
0: That would be nice, but no. So the way this works is the money inside of it grows what they call tax-deferred. And that means you don't pay tax on that money until it's later taken out for education. So we'll talk about this in a minute, but there's money the government contributes, and then there's the money you make off of your money, and the money you make off of the money the government contributes. They call that grant and growth. That money is taxable when it comes out, but it's taxed most times in the name of the child. So. A lot of times, the parents are making more than the child is when they go to university, so they have a much lower tax bracket so they can get the grant and growth out and pay far less in income taxes than their parents would have otherwise.
1: Is there a limit to what I can invest in the plan?
0: Well, Victoria, you're gonna have to, if you wanna max it out, we just need a check from you from about $50,000 and that would get you at the limit of what you can put into a plan
1: Monopoly money
0: work. Monopoly money does not work, <laughs> and uh, most, if not all, financial institutions aren't going to take your cash anyway, <laughs> even if, even if it's monopoly money. Um, there's a, some reasons why you might not want to do that, because the government only gives you so much grant money per year, and it's based off a of a maximum. So um, you'd put fifty thousand dollars in and not get all of the grant money you could. So. You can work with a financial professional to look at the best amount to put in, but fifty grand, so that's but, the most.
2: Ben, you mentioned uh, the government contributing to the plan. So how does that work?
0: So it's not often. And this is where people get a bit skeptical, where you say the, the government's adding money to the plan. So what's, what's the catch? We'll talk about that in a second. But... Um, the Canadian Education Savings Grant is available to um, children under 17 and that's a 20 percent match on up to 2,500 in contributions a year so if you want to get the full government grant $2,500 a year per child will get you to that max and that's $500 a year which is meaningful over a long period of time and unused grant room can be carried forward you can go back one year to grab that unused room and contribute more. So if you missed it last year, you could put in 5000 this year and get 1000 from the government. Um, there's also something called the Canadian Learning Bond, and that's for low-income families. It's $500 that the government just deposits when you open the account, and then it's uh, a maximum of $100 a year to a lifetime maximum of $2,000 per child put into that plan. So there's a lot of really good reasons, especially right now with the markets being as up and down as they are. There's not a lot you can find that's making 20% a year. Um, With the RESP, just putting the money in up to that $2,500 mark gets you 20% from the government for free.
2: So when we talk about RESPs, um, what kind of investments can we do? Can we do like ETFs? Can we do what? What kind of things can go in there?
0: It's pretty broad. So mutual funds, stocks, bonds, ETFs, seg funds, all of those can be within an RESP, but they're going to be limited to what that financial institution offers.
1: Are there any restrictions on what educational institutions you can use?
0: There there are they have to be on an approved list um we found in the past actually we just had this uh within the last few months where a client asked um, their child was going to pilot school and that was the first one i was really skeptical about i'm like i'm gonna have to get back to you on that we looked up the place that uh that the the place that he was going to school and it was on the list so a lot of people think since the government's putting money in, it's really restrictive But you can actually go online. If you do a Google search for like RESP, um, approved institutions list or something like that, you'll find a massive list. The government has a database. It's kind of like a search engine. You just type in the place you're thinking of going to school and it will tell you whether or not it's on the list, but it's a lot broader than most people think it is. So the last thing, getting money out of the plan, Um, You do have some experience in that. So what are the things people are going to need if they're going to their financial institution saying we need money out for education?
1: If you're bringing it to us, maybe a coffee. Um, (laughs) Actually, what we would need is um, the proof of enrollment from the post-secondary education environment in which you're going to be going. um, And a check from the bank in which you'd like the money deposited into.
0: It's pretty straightforward. It's actually not that hard to get the Mm -hmm. money out. And then lastly, to open the account, um, there's one very important thing that's needed. Uh, Andrea, you probably know what that is.
1: I hope this isn't on the final test. Oh, well,
2: you do have to be a Canadian resident. Uh, you have to be under the age of 17. You can be 17 or under, um, and you have to valid SIN card yeah, to the get
0: SIN that. card is huge. You cannot open an RESP without that. So if you've just had a child and you're wanting to get their education savings going, do the work to get their social insurance number. So that's it. There are a couple more nuanced things we could go through, but we're trying to keep this quick. So thank you so much for joining us on the Clear Money Mindset in our very first episode of
2: Saving S- Snippets.
0: Thanks for listening to the Clear Money Mindset. We at Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals are here to help you thrive with your finances. You can find us online at daviesfinancial.ca. For help with your personal finances, you can email us at office at daviesfinancial.ca. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals Inc. Mutual funds provided through Sterling Mutuals Inc. Commissions, trailer commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the simplified prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.